0: This week on The Meg Rock Show, I was able to sit down with Robbie D'Angelo. Robbie is a best-selling author, a speaker, a podcast host, and a coach teaching people how to upgrade their mental operating system to become undeniable and to create miracles. He's an entrepreneur. He owns multiple successful businesses, including a thriving coaching and consulting firm. In addition, he is an international keynote speaker on various topics from biohacking and mental optimization to entrepreneurship. He specializes in optimization of human capital with the belief in creating personal value to the point of becoming undeniable. He helps his clients learn how to reprogram their mindset for success and abundance through various techniques and disciplines, but always with the focus on living an aligned life. Robbie shares in this podcast interview how he, at one point in his life, was obese, he lost 100 pounds, and how he got focused on his mental health and how it turned into his mission and his passion for helping others. You guys, Robbie is such a light. You're going to love this interview. Welcome to the Meg Rock Show with Manifesting Marge, enlightening you with high vibe spiritual guidance, interviews with high vibe people, and those who practice different healing modalities around the world. I help women manifest more love, more self-love, more money, better health, and clarity on their life path. My purpose is to help you remember who the f- you are. Let's rock this out. Welcome, Robbie. I am so excited to have you on the Meg Rock Show.
1: Ah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so excited to have you. Well, I love starting with stories because we all kind of get trapped in our world thinking that it's only happening to me. My world is the only, you know, the only world that's that. The only person that feels like life is crashing down on them is me. And we we forget that everyone has a story. And I know that you have an amazing story that, I mean, looking at you now, it would be hard to even imagine that you were obese at one time, but you were obese, you lost a hundred pounds and you've struggled with, with your mental health for a long time. So start with your story and how you ended up where you are today.
1: Yeah. So uh, thank you for asking. It's definitely been a journey and it's been a journey most of my life. So growing up, I was definitely obese. I have no problem calling myself the fat kid growing up because I was that like prototypical fat kid, very shy, very insecure. Looking back, I now know that what I was dealing with was emotionally eating at a very, very young age. But, you know, when you're that young, you don't think that's what it is. You're just, you're eating to feel better. So I actually grew that way most of my adolescence all the way through college. And I was actually talking to someone yesterday, they are asking about it. And what was funny was, in the early years, I didn't know what it was. But like as I became a teenager, I started justifying my eating, kind of like that like internal coping mechanism. By I need to be this big for football, mm-hmm. so it allowed me like the okay to keep eating the crazy amounts I was eating. But it, it worked out. I say that I got it. Um, I was a high school all American, went on to play college football, where I was also a college football all American. And I was a finalist for like the best player in the country at my position. So I had a successful athletic career. It allowed me to get two degrees and a master's. So thankful for that part of my journey. But what was crazy about it was the outside looking in, I was successful. Inside looking out, I was depressed, full of anxiety. I was drinking all the time. I was dealing with a lot of pain as well. My, just my senior year alone playing college football, I had four knee surgeries. So I was dealing with all that and I just didn't really know really who I was, how to fit in the world. Growing up, I dealt with a lot of bullying, which made all the insecure areas of my life even worse. And when I finished playing football, I was like, okay, Robbie, like pros are out of the question. You've had way too many injuries for any protein to take you. So let's, let's lose the weight. I, I thought the weight was my problem. I developed one of those awful if-then scenarios in my head of if I lose the weight, then I'll be happy, which is not the truth. So I lost the weight, started living the quote unquote American dream, got a job. I was actually like owned my own business, got engaged, like doing all the things. I was still struggling with who I was. I was still completely living according to what society wanted me to be, what my parents wanted me to be just completely living externally and never really understanding my authenticity. It took me going through some more crap in life to really understand that. And in my late twenties, within the course of a three month time period, I found out my business partner was stealing money from me and left me completely broke. Me and my fiance called it quit after five and a half years. And we were a month away from the wedding and my apartment that I was living at the time got broke into and everything else got stolen. (laughs) <laughs> so if you can guess, like, I kind of hit a low point after that because all that happened within a three month period. And it led to like a nine month period of extreme depression because I thought I was doing everything right, mm-hmm. but I, I just, I was living according to everyone else's standards, not my own. And I just, I couldn't get past the feeling of being a failure because any, anytime like you, you go for a goal and you try to hit that goal and you don't hit it, if you're not prepared for that, you start internalizing all that. And that's exactly what I did, which led to depression and coming out of that depression is really where my real personal growth journey started. Um, that's when I realized like, okay, bro, you keep repeating these patterns. You keep doing the same things over and over again. Let's go internal and see why all this is going on. So when I finished playing football, I lost, you know, right at 105 pounds in a year and I, I never like really kept it off because I would always yo-yo mm-hmm. because I wasn't internally healthy. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to externally look the part of health. Mm-hmm. But as I started learning self-awareness and emotional intelligence and really getting in touch with personal growth, that's when I really kind of started leveling up my life. And it's been it's been another beautiful journey since then because some more stuff has happened. Um, but I, I'm so thankful for that part of my story. Because, you know, sometimes, especially as men, we need to go through some really hard times before we're like, mm, I might need to do something about this. Like I, I might need that rock bottom moment to have the post-traumatic growth that's needed for me to really excel in life.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. And and one thing that I'll always share with people is when, when we look at our life and the things that we work through, I mean, our healing is like an onion. You know, it's when I'm working with a client or I'm talking to our kids when we get through the one thing, it's like, oh God, finally, like, you know, it's going to be easy sailing now. There's always going to be another layer and there's always going to be another layer. And that's just part of the human experience. I mean, that, that, that's, that's why we're here to continue to learn and to continue to grow and to to continue to level up, which is exactly what you said. All that you went through was preparing you for now. So looking back at your your emotional eating as a child, what do you what were you actually emotionally eating around? Was it, did it start with bullying or was it like your home life? You were missing something? What was
1: it? For me, um, I'm not gonna lie, I had a great like family environment. I grew up in a big Italian family, ton of cousins, ton of aunts and uncles, lots of good um, food. Parents, oh, way too much good food. <laughs> as it showed. Um but I also grew up in a very, very athletic family. Mm -hmm. Um my parents were both like rock stars. My I'm actually um flying home in a couple uh, months to my mom's getting inducted into the Tulane Basketball Hall of Fame. Wow Um, and my dad was an equal great athlete playing college football. And then my older brother what he just like was gifted. Everything he touched turned to gold. And here I was this fat kid behind him. Um, so it wasn't external pressure more than internal pressure I was putting on myself right. and I didn't know how to cope with it. I, I didn't know that, you know, if you just be the best version of yourself, that's good enough. Yeah. I'm trying to live up to everyone else's standards. And the only way I knew how to cope with that was through food.
0: Right. Right. And it just, it just feels good to eat. So, so I was talking to a friend recently and she was talking about our kids and and how they eat junk and how you manage, manage what they eat while still allowing them to have a little bit of junk. And she was telling me that, um, so we live in a big golf cart community. It's actually the golf cart capital of the world. There are tons of golf carts. And she said, yeah, my, my daughter and her friend, when they get together, the friend always wants to go to the gas station and she goes and gets tons of junk food because she's not allowed to eat junk food at home. And she just binges. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So when I talk to my husband about how our kids do eat junk food, they're, they're, they balance it pretty well, but it still drives mm-hmm. them crazy. I'm like, it's just like telling a child not to, not to touch the fire, you know, the fire, the fireplace when a fire is running, cause it's hot, right? They have to understand that you don't just keep them away from a fireplace. They have to know that when it comes to junk food as well. And not having junk food in the house is not the answer because they're going to get it at the gas station with their friends on the golf cart, you know, and then they're hiding. So it's just interesting how food plays into, into so much, especially now. Especially well, it's an, it's an, now. an addiction.
1: hundred oh, totally. percent. Companies actually study how to make their products more addictive. Um, <clears throat> there was actually some news come out about potato chip companies actually studying the exact crunchiness of a potato chip to release the most hormones in your brain to cause more of an addiction.
0: Well, and then if you look at the bag, the bags like mostly air and very little chips. And I'm sh- sure mm-hmm. that part of that has got to do with how they preserve the chips so that they're how they seal the bag with a certain amount of air or something in it. But and part of it's probably a is- stage to piss you off. So you go get some more. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh, God. Crazy. Okay. So so you were like, all right, I I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna change things in my life. I want to I want to start over so I'm not repeating these patterns. What lessons can I learn from the things that I've been through? So those lessons are learned and I'm not having to walk around them anymore. At what point did you say, okay, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore and I want to help other people?
1: Ooh. Um so when I first lost all my weight, um, I started coaching, and it was just simply like I was being pulled to it. People would ask, "Robbie, how'd you lose all the weight?" Well, like here's how I did it. And I, I would just start. Weight,
0: it was weight loss coaching. You started like, let me show you what I did. Okay,
1: hundred percent. It was weight loss coaching, and I did that for you know seven, eight years, um, and it was just part time because I still had other jobs that I was doing. Um, I just I had this, you know, when you've gone through trauma in your life, you develop this thing called empathy for others. And when I would see somebody really struggling with their weight, like my heart went out to them because I, I know what it's like to walk in those shoes. So I'm like, look, I'll help you. As long as you show up, I'll help you. Um, and for like that next few years after here's really what happened. Um, when I was, I was talking about that nine month depression period. I actually, at the end of that was suicidal. Um, I was ready to just call it quits. Like, why am I here? I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I tried um, and I was just ready. Like the pain was too much. But like what happened was I realized like, man, you've done a lot in this world. And I don't think you were put here just to watch, you know, work 70, 80 hours a week and die. Um, That's literally what I was doing. I was working 78 hours a week, um, trying to get back on my feet go home, watch TV and go to bed. Like that's literally my life. And I was like, man, you know, you're probably meant for more. You are. And I just, I started kind of just slowly taking one initiative at a time to rebuild my life. And what I learned through that journey was it's really not that difficult if you want it. Like when you really want change, it's not that difficult. And I got a little more intensive into coaching and I, I wanted I wanted more out of life. Like I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired and just running the rat race. I wanted more, and I actually was approached about writing a book. And I am not good at English. Like English was all my always my worst subject. Um, still, I'm terrible at grammar. Thank goodness for technology. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I I got approached by writing a book, and for like six months, I said no. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'll hear you out. And what hit me when I finally said, I'll hear you out. And I was thinking about it as we're sitting in a meeting was, you know, for the last like 10 years at this point, I've been helping people on a one-to-one basis, just trying to serve. And a lot of times, like most of it, I was not even getting paid for. I was just helping people. And when the book came about, I realized like, you know, you're obviously, you're obviously here to help people. And this is your opportunity to go from one-to-one to to -to Mm one-to-many. And I was so nervous about writing the book because who am I to write a book? I just lost weight. And to me, losing weight wasn't that difficult um, because it's something I'd already done. And when I published the book, I got back um, from a publishing event in LA and became a best-selling author. And I got back to work and this woman next to my office pulled me into hers. And she's, she's like, I just read your book. And I was like, Oh, okay. Somebody, somebody actually read my book. And She goes, I didn't realize you went through all that. Like, I had no clue about this part of your story. And she actually started crying. And she's like, you know, I've always struggled with my weight and struggled with food, but I didn't realize my husband was doing the same thing. I didn't know men actually struggled with this too. And hearing her tell me that, and then going to a conference about a week later and speaking and hearing a lot of those same stories, I'm like, ah. God, there's a need. There's an absolute need, not just for the the physical health side of this, but for the mental health side of this, because really the mental affects the external. Um, and that really is what gave me the validation and proof that this is needed and you need to go do this. Mm-hmm.
0: So amazing. Okay. So I know that you, so you work with, you work with individuals and, mm-hmm. and are you, are you working with companies? Are you working behind the scenes? Okay. So tell me a little bit about that. That is so exciting to me. I really feel like, especially with everything that's happened over the past two years, I just saw, um, a meme the other day and it was, I guess some company asked their employees to take a, like to come to, like they came to work one day and it was take a picture. They were going to take a picture and show how they really work during on their zooms. And they had on like a you know, nice clothes up top and, you know, pajama pants on the bottom. And there's been so much, excuse my French, shit that has happened over the past couple of years, but there has been so much good that's happened. I mean, I think there's, there is um, more of an understanding and a lax approach in the work environment when people are at work, people are able to work at home. They're not on the road as much, which makes their quality of work, their mental health better. And then you have people um, that are CEOs of companies that have, you know, these rooms and these basically safe places where people can get away for a mental break, they can go meditate, they can take time away to regroup. And then they have there's people like you, that companies are bringing in and saying, Hey, we know that if, you know, the mental aspect of our employees is better, then our company is going to grow, which is going to equate to making more money, which we can get our products and services to more people. So there is so much so many exciting things happening behind the scenes in these huge corporations. And we're on the cusp of something really, really amazing. And it, it's needed.
1: It's very, very much needed. Um, so the, the kind of the area that I work in with companies is called human capital and human capital. When you think about it, that <clears throat> the humans that make up your business is really Family what capital. drives your business. Yeah. That's, that's the capital that drives your business. I mean, you can have the best product in the world, but if you don't have humans actually pushing that product to the world, it's not good. Um, if you don't have humans that are actually servicing the client, then it doesn't matter how good you are at your job. So I go into companies and I teach intrapersonal skills. I teach emotional fitness. I don't like calling it emotional intelligence. I teach emotional fitness because I believe it's something you can get better at with work. One of the biggest areas that I teach that I never thought I would have to like go so hard into it's communication. People are so bad at communication. I talk Um, about
0: this all the time. It comes up in every single coaching with every single coaching client I have, whether it's with them and their children, them and their boyfriend, them and their husband, in my house with my children, in my house with my husband. I'm like, the deepest form of intimacy in any relationship is communication.
1: mm
0: -hmm. I talk about this daily.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I agree. I I do it with all my personal clients too. Like inside of a business, you got, employees that can improve things but they're scared to speak up because they they fear they're superior or you've got management that doesn't know how to properly communicate the mission and vision of the company so therefore employees are thinking they're just working a nine to five instead of building something like the last personal last like personal growth program I ran inside of a company I literally had one week schedule for communication yeah. but after we did that week we literally spent the next four weeks doing it because of the need for it and how hungry they were to communicate. And what's so fun about it is I, I have this like pay it forward philosophy in everything that I do. Um, I'm teaching you this so you can learn this and then spread this to everyone around you. I make everyone understand that. And the last personal growth um, journey I did for a company, the there were a lot of parents, of course, um, in this company, and they were taking these lessons and teaching them to their spouse and their kids. And they were reporting back to me how much better things were at home. Not only did we see a direct ROI influence in the business, there's a ton of stats on when you improve interpersonal skills in businesses, you always get a return on your investment, but I'm also seeing it affect their home lives. Mm. And that's another ROI. When somebody is happier and healthier at home, they're not as stressed out at work Mm. and they perform better at work too. So those interpersonal skills, I mean, that's really the key to a fulfilling, happy life is learning these skills of how to have confidence, how to believe in yourself, how to communicate accurately and get your message across where you're not offending people. And then just really how to be the best version of yourself. And if we're all working on that same mission, then just everything elevates because of it.
0: For sure. So it makes me think of a story. So my husband, he has a friend who told him one time, he said, you know, I love my job. he said, but I really would enjoy it a lot more if my boss really recognized what I do. You know, I get paid, I get paid and I've had this job for years, but he doesn't tell me if I'm doing something wrong or if I could do it better. I'd love to know if I could. He doesn't tell me I'm grateful for you, man. I see you. You're doing a great job. No communication whatsoever. He just got paid and you, you think about that from, from a leadership standpoint and from being the boss and being the C- CEO and even being the parent. Like, I think when you get to these places of leadership, you think, well, you know, you get that ego, which ego is not all bad, but you do get to that place where I'm the boss or, you know, what I say goes and, you know, you just, you're under me, you come to work, you do these things. But if we are really sharing, and of course I do it with my kids, but if we are really sharing with the people that work for us or people that are in our lives, if we are really saying to them, I see you, I honor you. You are so valuable to me. I am so grateful for you. What that does and how that translates. I mean, my son had a, he had a teacher in fourth grade. She was going through some things at home and I just kept telling him, it's not you, offer her grace. She's going through something in her life, but my oldest son, I mean, that's one of his love languages is validation. Yeah. He wants that, to, that's go, where I was about to go. Yeah. He's, he wants to know what he is doing is good. He wants to get a an attaboy and that what that does for him will propel him and launch him into the next week, into the next month. And I mean, it's just powerful what that does for him. And that year of fourth grade, the reason only year he's ever struggled was because that woman could not do that for him. And it, it, it essentially broke him down. And when we understand that people need validation, again, we're going to take our families. We're going to take our, our workspaces and our companies.
1: Yeah. And kind of what I do when I work with management is I help them understand that while it's not a love language, it's a motivation language and different people receive motivation in different ways. Mm-hmm. For instance, me personally, I don't need an attaboy. I just need you to sh- I, like, I'm, I'm acts of service. Yeah. So it's like, show me that I'm doing a good job. Don't tell me, but learning the individual motivation language of the people that are in your space is huge. I mean, look, I, I was training a sales team one time and I couldn't get one of the girls motivated, like I was congratulating her all the time. I was telling her a good job. I was trying to do everything. Hers was public recognition. She wanted me to pull her in front of everybody and tell her these things.
0: Wow. If
1: I told it to her behind the scenes did not matter at all. Mm -hmm. If I celebrated her in front of people, now she receives it. Right. I had another person one time I was working with all the attaboys public recognition, nothing. I gave them a hundred dollar bill. They lit up because uh-huh. they were struggling at home with some family stuff. So it's it's understanding like you have to yeah, actually yeah. listen to people mm-hmm. and more than just their words, but how they receive what you're saying and how you're giving it to them to understand how they're motivated. And another thing I'll say about the um, your husband's story is sometimes management is equally stressed out from their management mm-hmm. and they're so wrapped up in what they have to do that they forget yes. that they're actually leading humans So in a situation like that, I encourage your husband's friend to like actually speak up Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, look, I've been busting my butt for you. I love this company. I love what I do. I just, I want to know that what I'm doing is appreciated. I want to know what I'm doing is working. Is there any feedback you can give me? Like actually be proactive and getting what you need from that company instead of like, you know, this most relationships we expect it to happen. And then when it doesn't, we get aggravated.
0: Exactly. Oh my God.
1: Properly communicating.
0: You're going to totally laugh when I say this, but this is exactly, this is exactly what's happening with those people that are in, in, that are in those different positions and and their businesses and their companies. And they're, they're stuck in that, that robot mode. And they've lost that, that human connection of what can I do to better myself? What can I do to better the people that are working for me? How can I better my environment? So anyways, always tell my husband's we have a 16 year old and a 13 year old. And life is busy. Kids is hard. I tell I tell people that aren't married yet, um, or really not necessarily married, but people that don't have kids, I'm like, enjoy sex because when you have kids, it is, it's by appointment. And so I tell my husband, I'm like, we have to make time to make sure that our love life isn't always robotic 100%. because that's when you lose that connection and all of that. And it's the mm-hmm. same. It's exactly what you just said we get so in the grind and there's so many things that we have to do that we just become robots and we forget all the most important aspects of our life.
1: Yeah. I, I call it drowning in priorities. Yeah. And that's literally what it feels like. You have all these priorities <laughs> in your life and you're just like treading water to try to, try to breathe. And <clears throat> we forget those things. Um, you know, weirdly enough in my space, I never thought I'd be doing this, but I actually get hired to do a lot of relationship coaching and
0: it's the you same know, I'm thing. a single
1: it's, it's so much communication, yeah. um, and properly expressing your wants and needs properly expressing how you're feeling, what the other person's doing and, you know, stuff like that. I, I tell like the relationship coach, the relationship coach that I do, I, I tell my clients like, look, you have to make sure that the nucleus is good mm-hmm. because without the nucleus being there of your love for one another, mm-hmm. you can't show your kids love. You can't show your community love unless you're loving yourself and loving your partner. Because if that love is missing, you're trying to fill that cup and you have no love to give anyone else. Right. So it's, it's self-love it's love for your partner. Then you can love your kids, but you've got to make that nucleus strong because that's where it starts.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, it's exactly what you just said about different people, you know, that validation, they receive it different ways, (laughs) understanding that when, and that may be something that you coach these, these CEOs and even the management, when you hire someone, you need to know like how they tick. Basically, you need to know more about them on a human level, because that's really ultimately the end of the day. What makes a healthy marriage is understanding my husband's quote, love language, you know, his is different than mine. And, 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 and for me to meet his needs, I have to Meet his love language is for him to mine. He, you know, his him to meet mine. He has to, he has to be willing to do, you know, to accept how I am, quirky or not, you know. So it really is that that just that level of communication that goes so much deeper than just the job. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I tell like I've worked with some business partnerships too, and between a business partnership, a marriage, kids, business management, it's all the same thing. You're in a relationship that has to be treated like a relationship. Um, I, you know, I tell, I tell like business partners all the time, like if you were dating someone and you treated them like you treat your business partner, would they stay in a relationship with you? No. If you're always changing things last minute, not communicating what you're doing and doing things like, and being a control freak all the time, would your spouse allow that to happen? No. She'd kick your butt to the curve. So why do you think that's okay in a business setting? Because you're still dealing with a human being, yeah. Like I think that that human aspect is what we lose—that we're dealing with a human, not a number or a metric—and that's where people get lost.
0: Oh my gosh, <clears throat> so fascinating. Okay, so tell me about your program, the undeniable program.
1: Yeah. So I, I developed this kind of mindset um, within the last like year and a half. I've, I've always worked on mindset um, and just teaching people how to be the best version of themselves, but I fell in love with this word in the last year and a half, um, working with some companies and what, when it, what it started from was I was working with some um, customer service representatives inside of a company and a lot of them were like scared about losing their job. And so in my mind, I'm like, look, if you become undeniable, they're not going to fire you. If you become undeniable, they're probably going to promote you. And that's where like, it just hit me like, Oh man, you know, what would happen if we just focused on being undeniable in every aspect of our life, oh, God. showing up at work and being undeniable to management and the people around you coming home, being undeniable to your spouse where they're like, I'm not screwing this up. I want this person in my life. <clears throat> I cannot deny how much I want this person in my life being undeniable to your kids where they actually want to be around you. And want to learn from you, want to love on you, and just being undeniable holistically in all the areas of your life. And that really comes from working on your interpersonal skills, like we talked about. But the closer we can go, um, I I, I love this analogy. Like when you're born, if you've ever held like a newborn baby, they are nothing but like pure, abundant love. Mm -hmm. They don't know fear, they don't know judgment, they don't know negativity, they just know love. But as we get programmed by parents, society, friends, the environment, we start learning fear, judgment, limiting beliefs, all the things that keep us from abundant love. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Part of being undeniable is practicing abundant love in every aspect of your life and unlearning the fear, the judgment, the limiting beliefs. So you can just return to who you were created to be, Mm -hmm. which is love.
0: Oh my gosh, so powerful because I talk about energy all the time. And the highest frequency energy is love.
1: That's it. Yeah.
0: That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And we deny ourselves of that self love all the time from programming, either from, you know, family, society, upbringing, or the things that we do to ourselves. Like you were saying when you were younger, that it was just kind of innate in you to you know, compare yourself to your family members and to feel less than, you know, wonderful family, but you kind of did it to yourself, which also I was telling, um, who was I telling this to the other day? I mean, it was a friend and we were just talking about like astrological signs. Like you need to know the astrological, if you don't believe in it or not, you need to learn about it because if you know the character traits astrologically of the people you're dealing with, you're going to know them on a deeper level. And there's some things about people you just cannot change. And when you know, you know, what, what your sign, what the positive sign of your sign is and what the negative tendencies are, you'll know, okay, I'm being a little too controlling. I need to, I need to swing the pendulum back just a little bit. And so we do, we have these character traits that are innate in us. And, and sometimes we can swing the pendulum a little too far, right? A little too far left and understanding that about ourselves will make us get back to that place of love where we can find that, that, that medium and we're not so hard on ourselves.
1: Right. Uh, you know, I use a lot of stuff like that as diagnostic equipment. Mm-hmm. Like in, in my world, in the world I play in, that's my diagnostic equipment. <clears throat> but what that tells me is that tells me kind of your base operating system, mm-hmm. but it does not tell me the potential of who you can be. Mm-hmm. And my only problem with a lot of like sign work and stuff like that mm-hmm. is people tend to fall back on it
0: mm-hmm. as
1: an excuse. For sure, I'm like, no, stop! You had a choice, and you made a choice. Like, you cannot discount the power of free will and choice. And I find that when people lean on that, they're giving their power away to that, right? Instead of reclaiming their power and their ability to navigate the ship and write this story. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is a great diagnostic tool to understand your base operating system and where you come right. from. But then you have to understand that, okay, that's that. But now I have the power and the personal responsibility mm-hmm. to become whatever I choose to be. And I can do that because I do have that power.
0: Oh, for sure. And, and so, so a couple of years ago, I did a, a manifesting course, which mm-hmm. still the principles of it are still good. But now that I understand from more of a spiritual Aspect, which I'm rewriting, I'm reworking on that course right now, is our soul. We come into each lifetime with things that our soul has already mapped out for us, they're non negotiable. We're going to go through these things. And that goes back to what I now know about manifesting is not everything we go through in our life has been manifested, but we do go through those, those soul journey points in our life that our soul has said, Nope, this is what you're going to experience. This is part of your soul journey, but you do have the free will to take this experience and to make of it what you want to make of it. Yes. So that totally goes back to what you're saying. Free will. I mean, free will is journey of those. It's the journey of the
1: soul. 100%. 100%. And you know, that's, you know, this as well as I do. I, I get kind of fed up with all the victim language that's mm-hmm. going around right now. And anytime that you have victim language, you're giving away your power. For sure. We, we have so more, much more power than we will ever realize, than we will ever be able to tap into because we are humans. Mm-hmm. But if we can lean into our power as much as possible, it will truly surprise you and amaze you what you're able to accomplish in this world. And it's so damn freeing too. Um, it kind of goes to that book, uh, power first force. So many people are trying to force their way through life and force things to happen. But when you just settle into your power and show up in love, that's you at your authentic self, just vibrating high and watching the miracles happen around you.
0: Oh my gosh. So, so good. Yeah. Nothing, nothing flows by force. And we just have to get to the place in our life where we love ourselves, where we trust that everything is in divine time and perfect order. And when we we're consciously raising our vibration, the synchronicities Mm -hmm. will start showing up and everything will start to align. But it truly does start with self-love. I mean, you have to, that self-love, if you don't, if you don't love yourself, Mm -hmm. it's going to overflow into every aspect of your life. Okay. So tell me about, um, your, tell me about your, do you have one book or a couple books?
1: Um, I've actually written more now working on the fifth.
0: Okay, good. Okay, so where can our listeners, where can they find your books and how can they find you on social media?
1: Um so all my social media is Robbie D'Angelo. Um and then my website's Robbie D'Angelo. Um I fought that for so long. I love, <laughs> but it. I love- it. it is what it is now. Um I have some really good people that uh tell me to make better decisions than I my ego allows me to make sometimes. Um but everything's at RobbieDAngelo.com. Um my first book is on Amazon. The rest of the books can be found on the website. The next book that I'm writing right now is actually How to Become Undeniable. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so excited about this book. It's really the, the culmination of the last 10 years of my work. Um, and I'm, I'm putting the game plan, the roadmap in place of how to be this abundant fulfilled loving version of yourself. But yeah guys, look, <clears throat> I love having conversations. I love talking to people. So find me on social media. Let me know how I can serve your mission. I would love to in any way possible.
0: Beautiful. Well, this was awesome. I know you have so much more coming. You've got so much good stuff bottled up inside of you just waiting to come out. I will definitely get with you and we will do this again soon.
1: Ah, uh, love to. I would love to. Thank you so much for today. It's been great.
0: Thank you, Robbie. If you thought today rocked, subscribe to the Meg Rock Show podcast, leave a review and let me know what your takeaway was. All of my social is linked in the show notes. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at The Meg Rock. For more info on me and to take my quiz to find out what energy blocks you have in your life and in your home, and maybe even coaching, go to manifestingmarge.com. Repeat after me. I am a powerful, loving, radiant, abundant, badass warrior goddess. I am here to rock out this lifetime. It doesn't serve me or the world to play small. I am worthy of all that I desire. See you in the next episode. The Meg Rock Show podcast and all content created by Manifesting Marge LLC is created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified help provider with any questions you may have for a medical condition or concern. Meg Schwarzrock is not a doctor or a therapist.